0: Good morning, everyone. It is great to see you. I wanna say hi to everybody in Pecala and Bishopville, and hi to everybody watching online. Yeah, as I shared with you last week, this year we wanna make our theme, Peace. And so we're gonna talk throughout this year about how to have peace in your life, the peace of Jesus. And we wanna encourage you to memorize uh, a verse of scripture is john fourteen twenty seven it 's actually pretty easy to memorize. I want you to read it again with me today, and I want you to read it not like the eight thirty or the nine or ten forty five crowd because they um, they were not yet awake, but you 're awake, right yes. let 's try this again you 're awake, right yes. all right let 's read it together and at the campuses too okay, here we go. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Imagine how different your life would be if you had the peace of Jesus. If you could live your life without your heart being agitated, not being controlled by fear, how different would your life be? Now, we talked last week about what kind of peace Jesus is describing. It's the Hebrew word shalom, and the word shalom means a deep sense of well-being that does not depend on external circumstances. So the world can be crumbling, but you can still have a deep peace. And this is what I really pray for every one of you, because I know I need it in my own life, this deep sense of peace. So how do you get this peace? Well, as we talked about last week, the first and most important step, have a relationship with Jesus, and we'll echo that again today. And then the second step really is asking for this peace every day. So we're going to spend some time in the book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs real close to the middle of the Bible, Proverbs chapter 3. We'll be spending some weeks here because we want to talk about how to round out our vision of how to get peace and how to live in peace. Now, just a little background, you may know Proverbs primarily consists of sayings Uh, from a man named Solomon, who was the king of Israel, known as the wisest man who ever lived. And in this, he gives us wisdom to uh, both us, and he's really writing it to his sons. How many sons did he have? We don't know. He had 300 wives and 600 concubines. How many wives do you think he, I mean, how many wives do you think he had? How many sons do you think he had? Somewhere between a slew and a bunch, right? So. Uh, Solomon's sons would have been government officials, they would have gone out into the world, and he's writing instructions to them. Now to set the stage for this, I want you to understand a couple of things about peace and about relationships, because that's the first thing Solomon's gonna talk about, having peace and relationships. They did a study at Harvard University, started in the late 30s, went through the early 40s. They followed and tracked Harvard graduates And they wanted to see what made these graduates have healthy, productive lives. And the lead psychiatrist, who's a man named uh, George Valiant, summarized the results, and this is what he said. After studying these graduates at Harvard, he discovered happiness is love. Full stop. If you want to be happy in life, learn how to love people. Learn how to have relationships. Now the study has continued on uh, all the way until the, some of these graduates now in their 90s. Some of them have reached even 100. And the man who succeeded him, uh, a psychiatrist named Robert Waldinger, love that name, um, he, he said that as they have continued to track this, they discovered the people who had the happiest lives were those with strong family ties, close friendships, and rich romantic lives. Those graduates that struggle the most, who were depressed and lonely in later life, who were more likely to dementia, alcoholism, and suicide were those who had neglected their close relationships. So I'm gonna say the obvious. Relationships matter. Relationships really matter how you invest in them, how you connect to other people, this matters a lot. Now the second thing I want you to understand is that a healthy relationship with God leads to healthy relationships with people. Can you have healthy relationships with people without a healthy relationship with God? I think it is partially possible, but it's a very steep hill. If you have a healthy relationship with God, however, It will help you have healthy relationships with the people around you. And you actually know this because you remember one of the things that Jesus said. Jesus said to us, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. And the second great commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. Do you hear how relational that is? You've got to be connected to God and you've got to be connected to other people. This is how you build happiness in life. So let's dive in and find out actually how do we have peace in relationships so we can have a peaceful soul and a peaceful life. First two verses of Proverbs chapter three. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. So Solomon is speaking to his sons, And he's telling them the obvious, and we might miss it, and the obvious is, you need a relationship teacher. You need a relationship teacher. I went to school a long time. I never once had a class in how to have a relationship. Never once. So how did I learn about relationships? Like you, I learned it first from my parents. And if your parents had a good, close relationship, chances are pretty good you know how to have a healthy relationship. Now a couple of you saying, now wait a minute, my parents didn't have that great relationship. That means your hill is higher. What you've got to accomplish in life to connect is higher. Doesn't mean it's impossible, remember, if you have a healthy relationship with God, it can change all your other relationships. And by the way, don't let that be an excuse And just say, well, I came from a bad, dysfunctional family, and so I'm just bad and dysfunctional. Love me anyway. Okay, don't be that person. Uh, And I'm sorry if I'm, I'm overly making fun of you in some sensitive areas. I just want you to not fall into victimhood. So how do you learn from Solomon, from Jesus, how to have good relationships? Well, there was a a reporter for the New York Times named Amy Sutherland, and she uh, was having trouble with her husband. She'd been married to this guy for 12 years, and he still had, after 12 years of marriage, irritating habits. So I just want to take a quick poll. How many of you have been married more than 12 years? How many of your spouses still have irritating habits? (laughs) Some of you are not Not courageous enough to raise your hand the second time. Okay, I got you. Well, I mean, her husband would still do things like uh, leave clothes on the floor, just things that got under her skin. And so she went to that absolute default uh, response in a relationship. She decided if she nagged him enough, he would finally pick up his clothes. Do you think that worked? Oh, you've tried this approach. No, of course it doesn't work. Well, she was writing this article, and so she went to this school to, uh, out in California about how to train exotic animals to behave or to perform certain tricks. Uh, and she wor- ended up writing an article about it in the New York Times called What Shamu Taught Me About a Happy Marriage. Now, in case you don't know, this is Shamu, right? This was her teacher. And what she learned is that that the trainers of these animals like the seals you cannot nag a seal into clapping it doesn't work you can't go to that seal and go clap and the seal what does the seal do if you just say if you don't clap i'm going to cut off our relationship so what do you do you, you reward the behavior so when the seal goes or, or, or what do you do you you reward the behavior why do you think that's funny when i do that I had a lady leave the last service and said, I didn't quite get the seal illustration. Could you do it again out here in the lobby for me? <laughs> okay, so how do they teach Shamu to do this huge jump? They reward the behavior and they ignore the bad behavior. So Amy decides to try this on her husband. She goes home and if her husband picks up a dirty shirt, she praises him verbally. Honey, I'm, I thank you for picking up that shirt. And if he picked up two dirty shirts, she would kiss him. And if he picked up three dirty shirts. Now, I don't know where your dirty minds are going. But yeah, I mean, essentially, that's what she would do. And guess what her husband started doing? Picking up the shirts. It worked. Now, listen, so I see some women here writing this down. (laughs) And and, and okay, that's possible. That's called behavioral modification therapy. But I still think there's something, someone better to learn relationship skills from. It's Jesus, right? Jesus can teach you more about relationships than Shamu. What can Jesus teach you? This is why you should read the Gospels. This is why you should actually let Jesus teach you how to relate to people. Watch how he relates to other people. Watch how Jesus teaches his disciples. Watch how Jesus confronts his disciples, how he tells them the truth. Watch how Jesus loves people. He has compassion on people who have no direction in life and he tries to give them that direction. He tries to give them hope. And how ultimately Jesus' love leads him to sacrifice his own life, but this is best. Jesus' love for people (laughs) causes him to rise from the dead, so he gives us power to live, learn how to do relationships from Jesus. Now that's sort of the first big lesson. Here's the second one, this is the second part of the scripture we read. Solomon says, they, what I'm about to teach you, these concepts, these principles, will prolong your life for many years and will bring you peace and prosperity. The word peace, again, is our word shalom. You want to have a life where you have a deep sense of well-being? Listen to what Solomon says. Look at the model of Jesus. Solomon understood this, by the way, years before the Harvard study. Millennia before the Harvard study. The CDC, Centers for Disease Control, they actually have studied the phenomena of social isolation. And a curious thing is happening in our culture and COVID accelerated it, you know this. We have become increasingly socially isolated. We actually relate more to one another on the phone now than we do face-to-face. And we think it provides connection through social connection. And it's, it's good, it's not bad, except it's not the same. And so as the CDC has studied this, what they found is people who socially isolate, in other words, people who do not have healthy relationships, don't have healthy connections, people who do not know how to love in a relationship, they are more prone to uh, dementia, suicide, depression, alcoholism, Loneliness among certain patients uh, with heart-related diseases is associated with nearly a four times increased risk of death. In other words, if you don't have good, healthy social connections, it's damaging to your health. You could die. That's why we encourage you to find 3 a.m. friends, to connect with people that you can count on, That's why we encourage you to get in a life group so you can have those kind of social connections. Now, I know some of you are saying, but I'm an introvert. I tolerate people. I don't really like them. I want to tell all the introverts in the room, that includes me, hey, everybody else is tolerating you, okay? So how about go beyond your comfort zone and actually connect to people? We have a saying, that that's why we do life groups and Alice Drive, get in a life group, or you will surely die. <laughs> now, don't take that too literally, okay? But you need that healthy connection. Um, maybe we can put it this way, it's healthy rela- relationships, they really do equal health. So what can Jesus teach you about relationships? You're gonna see these two things modeled in Jesus's life and Solomon expresses them. So verse three is key, we're gonna really dig down here. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. The word love here, no surprise, you want a healthy relationship, you want relationships relationships where you have peace, you gotta love the people you're in relationship with. But we're not talking about just that feeling of love. The word here in Hebrew is hesed. It means committed love. It means love that has a feeling backed by a decision. In other words, I feel warmth and connection with this person. Now I'm gonna make a decision that in good times and bad, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, I am going to love this person. I, I, have y'all ever done this with a dog? We, we had a dog one time, and we had this rope toy. It had a knot in it. You, you know what I'm talking about? And I would take that, I would take that rope, and, and that dog would pull on it, and I would pull back. And we'd do a tug-of-war one day when Gina wasn't there. And this is going to sound cruel, but it really wasn't, and I'll prove it at the end of the story. I thought, well, let me just see how long he'll hold on. So he was tugging, I was tugging, and I started pulling, I'm bigger than he is. I lifted him up off the floor. And he wouldn't let go. He would not let go. And then I thought, I wonder if I can make him dizzy. (laughs) Well he's a dog, you know. And and guys, you've done this when your wife isn't home. I just started swearing him around like this. And that dog thought he'd gone to Disney World. He thought he was riding on the rides. I was just doing this and this and this and this until I got dizzy and I kind of had to stop and I put him down. He comes back to me with the rope. Do it again, do it again, do it again. See, I told you the dog liked it. I'm going to get email this week. This to me is a picture of Hesed love. You can try to shake it off but it hangs on. This is the kind of love that's got teeth, it doesn't quit. This is exactly the kind of love that Jesus has for you. See, we get this wrong idea that we've gotta hang on to Jesus. No, 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 my friends, Jesus is hanging on to us. And Jesus is a lot bigger than a dog. And so if we feel like we have utterly failed Jesus hangs on to us. If we feel like we're going through tough times, Jesus hangs on to us. If we feel like our life is going in the wrong direction, Jesus hangs on to us. If we feel like we're about to crater, crash, and burn, Jesus hangs on to us. He has a love that does not quit. There is no sin, there is no failure that can separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. So how do you love like this? Real simple. First, you have to let the love of God flood your soul. You can't love unless you are loved. It's a basic idea. And the love of God can pour into your soul and flood your soul, and you can know you are deeply and profoundly loved. You've gotta have a starting point where you say, I am going to give myself to Jesus and let his love flood my soul. Now here's the second part, and it's the tougher one. Ask for love daily. Ask for the love of God every day. It's not that God has to be reminded to love you, But if you're like me, I can wake up and I can even pray, God, just send me reminders of your love today. But pretty soon, I'm in the day, right? Something's gone wrong. Somebody's got a crisis. I'm behind on a project. I'm all of a sudden in production mode. I'm going, 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 going. And I can forget that God loves me. I have to build some space in my life so that I actually pray, hey, Father, remind me of your love. Just remind me. Remind me that I'm loved. And your heavenly Father will send you reminders. If you will open your eyes, he will send you reminders daily that he loves you. Now, what else can we learn? First is this committed love. Let God committedly love you and you committedly love someone else. The second word found here is the word faithfulness. Let love and faithfulness guard your heart. This is actually a Hebrew word you all know, but you don't know that it's a Hebrew word. It's the word amen. Anybody ever heard that word before? It means it's reliable. It will support you. You can trust it. And when we use it as an end of a prayer, what we're saying is, I'm trusting God with this prayer, so I'm letting go. Prayer is surrender. And when you are faithful in a relationship, that relationship grows and thrives. Study after study tells us, what do kids need? Kids need a stable, healthy relationship between their parents in order to thrive. Kids don't thrive in chaos. So parents, no matter how old your kids are, even if your kids are up and grown and married and are producing grandchildren, still the best thing you can do is have a healthy relationship. That's where your kids are gonna learn. I found this on the web. I know you found it on the web, Siri, I'm sorry. This has nothing to do with the sermon. I wear this, this is, (laughs) I should not wear it because it talks while I preach, but I I, I wear it because I want to count my steps. I want my preaching steps to count in the day, okay. (laughs) A stable environment, that's where we are. You need faithfulness. Now, the problem most of us have is we have grown up with this idea that faithfulness is a step by step matching process. And we can even think that about our relationship with God. Do you remember going on dates uh, back when I was dating and I would ask mom if I could borrow the dinosaur for that night to go on a date? And so we would go on a date, I would, you know, first date, and I would do uh, yawn and stretch. You know, yawn and stretch? You know, yawn and stretch? Yeah, a couple of you are doing it right now, okay. And so you're here, and what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? You're waiting for a response. Now, if she kind of nestles in right in here, <laughs> that's a good sign, right? That means you're gonna have a second date. This is good, she likes you. If she says, get your hand off of me, okay, you've already blown the money for dinner and a movie. And you're not gonna have a second date. What's the worst reaction when she just sits there? You're going, lean one way to the other. Come on, make up your mind. <laughs> and that's a bad feeling. Because you're like, you don't know if she's gonna invest in this relationship or not, even on that first date. And listen, we do the same thing with God. We think, okay, God, I'm gonna be faithful to you, but you gotta show yourself faithful to me first. Oh, but he already has, he already has. Don't you remember Romans 5, 8? God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God said, hey, I will be faithful first. You can count on me first. That's why we can say with confidence, Jesus never leaves us or forsakes us because we already know he's been faithful to us. He laid down his life for us. Now, how can you be faithful like Jesus? What I have discovered is you need an anchor that holds you so you can hold another person. And I just want to invite you to do some quick inventory. If you have trouble holding, connecting, loving, being faithful to another person, it probably means you are not deeply anchored enough in Jesus Christ. I had, uh, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, another pastor asked me, he said, how have you managed to be the pastor at Alice Drive for 28 and a half years? And, you know, that's a really complex answer to a simple question. Uh, So, I usually try to pass it off with humor, like, well, they just never decided to get rid of me. Um, Ha, 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 ha. And no, he says, really, I'm serious. How do you think it really happened? I said, well, honestly. You know, we've gone through a lot of ups and downs together. Being a pastor to a church is a lot like being married to someone. And what I found is if I was anchored in Jesus, I found it easy to be faithful to the church. that if I was anchored in Jesus that I could see more clearly I had more peace no matter what was going on, no matter what the crisis of the day was. This is why growing your character to be like Jesus really matters. When you're anchored in him, you can build relationships that last like his last. Now, there's still more teaching. Man, this this verse three is so packed. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Um, And then he says, bind it around your neck. Cut it into the tablets of your heart. Have you ever seen pictures of guys in the Middle East and how they will often, I call it a scarf, I don't know what you really call it, but they will have this, this thing usually made of thin cloth and when a sandstorm comes up, they pull it up over their nose and their mouth you seen those pictures? So that when the sand is blowing, when the wind is blowing, whatever is coming up to their nose and their mouth first has to go through that screen before it gets into their system. Which means, as relationship issues come at me, I have to pause and say, what is the loving thing to do? What's the faithful thing to do? And then, Solomon says, You need to cut these into your heart, to write them on the tablets of your heart. Uh, Real interesting, in the ancient world, they did not have paper, and so they wrote on what they would call cuneiform tablets. The Hebrew word for write actually means to cut or to chisel. And so what they would do is they would take a sharp stick or a sharpened stone, and they would press out the letters on these soft clay tablets, put them in the sun, and they would harden. Jesus is saying, I want you to cut this into your heart so you remember it. Probably the closest we can come to it is the idea of tattooing something onto your heart. So that again, I am always asking, this decision, is it loving? Is it being faithful? If I'm on a trip away from my wife and I'm in a hotel room by myself and a movie comes on, I think I should ask, can I watch this movie and be faithful to my wife? If my kids come to me with a request, I think I can actually pause and say, wait a minute, what's the most loving thing right now to do for my children? And by the way, the most loving thing to do for your child often is not to tell them yes, but to tell them no. And to do it in a way that you're not angry and you're loving. If my friend comes to me and says, Hey, I'm really in a bind. Can, if my wife asks you, can you tell her that I was with you all last night? What's the most loving and most faithful thing to do? (laughs) No, I can't lie for you. I'm your friend. I want you to deal in the truth. What's really going on, man? See how different your relationships would be, even your friendships. So, am I loving? Am I being faithful? One more verse to go. Real quick. Verse four. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. The word favor is the Hebrew word grace. It means grace. And so, you'll get grace. And you'll have a good name. A good name means people trust you. Now, this is years ago. Banking regulations have changed since then. But my parents could walk into the bank in my hometown, walk up to a teller's window and say, I need to borrow $10,000. They would go and get $10,000 either with a check or cash, and my parents would not have to sign anything. You can't do that now. But back then, you could. Why were my parents able to do that? They had a good name. Think of a good name as being like your credit score. How much do people really trust you? And, and, it, and you realize this says it's both about God and man. So if I'm really having healthy relationships, if I'm really able to connect to the people that I care about, if I have a peace in those relationships, people are going to be gracious to me when I mess up because everybody does, and God is actually gonna trust me. God is gonna give me some responsibility. God is gonna give me some opportunities I probably wouldn't have otherwise. When you let love and faithfulness be your guide in relationships, it gives you peace. So I'm gonna tell you a true story about a young man uh, who is part of our church and um, some of you may recognize who it is, but I'm not gonna use his real name, I'm gonna use a fake name, just to try to give him a little bit of privacy, so I'm gonna use the name Bob, not his real name. So Bob grew up in this family, single mom, uh, dad not really in the picture, um, kinda disconnected, you know, when you don't have a lot of healthy male relationships. Bob found some healthy relationships when he got into sports, athletics, started playing football, had some talent, got hurt. Okay, now he can't go play football, so what's, what is he gonna do? Somebody invited him to one of our student events, and for the first time in his life, Bob found some other guys other than coaches who were interested in him, who just talked to him, who connected with him, who invested in him. And as, as the evening wore on, he was like, this is really cool, and he came back. And these same people still were talking to him. It was like a consistency he had never known in his life. And pretty soon, Bob is coming every week. And so we take a bunch of kids to camp, and Bob goes to camp. And at camp, he decides to make a commitment to Jesus Christ. He accepts Christ as his Savior, and he's baptized. This is great. That's what we want to have happen. But Bob doesn't stop there. Bob keeps hanging out. He keeps learning about how to have a healthy relationship. He keeps learning what it means to invest and connect to people. Now, it's helped along by the fact that that he met a girl, right? I mean, Bob still is, after all, at this point, 18. And they make a decision. They're gonna do their relationship to the best of their ability the way God wants it done. And some of that dysfunction that had really controlled Bob early in his life is starting to fade away. He's really learning how to connect to another person, really learning how to love another person. Realizes he needs to support his wife, joins the Air Force. Not too long ago, got married to that girl. Here's what I want you to see. Yeah, I see you guys over there. You're all, I know who he's talking about. I know who he's talking about. Okay, I got you. Here's what I want you to understand. Bob's not perfect. Do you think Bob's life is better because he found the peace of Jesus? Do you think Bob's life, his relationships are better because he found the peace of Jesus? Do you think maybe if the peace of Jesus really reigned in your heart, your relationships could have peace too? Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Let's pray. Father, you are an amazing God. And you were faithful to us and you love us before we ever loved you. I pray that you would help us know how to transfer your peace into relationships here so that we'd have peace in those relationships. Teach us to turn to you and learn from you. You are the master teacher. And if anyone here, Father, doesn't know Jesus, I pray that today they'd make that decision. And I ask all of this in Jesus' name, amen. Just a moment, I'm gonna invite you to stand. We're gonna sing our last song. And as we sing this song, I want you to just be thinking about love and faithfulness. Maybe you can even think about a relationship where you're like, man, I really need some help in this relationship. And if you feel led, you can just slip out from your seat and go to the next step room. I'm gonna be there and I would love to pray with you, I'd love to talk with you about um, what God's put on your heart. No judgment, just prayer. Maybe today you, you wanna to invite Jesus into your life and I love those conversations. Uh, So if you'd like to make your way to the next step room during this song, and the rest of us, let's just be thinking about what does it mean to know that we're loved so that we can love someone else. And then after this last song, we'll take up our offering. It'll be our last act of worship. So let's stand, let's sing. I'll see you in the next step room.